Well, hey there, Mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 96. I'm Emily McDermott, and I'm here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. Well, as we come to the end of January, I just wanted to remind you about the free Facebook group, tinyurl.com forward slash moms overcoming overwhelm, where we continue to do bi-weekly decluttering challenges. This week we're doing a reset challenge and I've been learning a lot about kind of what works and what doesn't work for people doing their daily resets. We're doing a lot of great stuff over there and just up to 15 minutes a day of decluttering with people there to support you and help you really helps a lot. So come on over and join us there. And today on the show, I'm very excited to talk to Barb Raveling. And Barb, she's a retired homeschool mom of four and the author of eight books, including Freedom from Procrastination, which sounds like something I need, (laughs) and her latest book, Say Goodbye to Emotional Eating. And her top-ranked podcasts, Taste for Truth and the Christian Habits podcast have earned over a million downloads and continue to inspire people to experience the joy of transformation through the renewing of the mind. And today we have a really fun conversation. We talk a little bit about actually delegating to our kids and how she was able to give her kids responsibilities at a very young age. It was a really fascinating beginning to the conversation. And then we dive into this idea of living by design instead of by desire and how that's played out in her life and also the power of something she calls truth journaling. So I know this is going to be a really impactful conversation. So what do you say? Grab that notebook and pen and let's dive into today's conversation with Barb Raveling. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home calendar and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life in motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Well, hi, Barb. Thank you so much for coming on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I am very excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast, all the subjects you've talked about, and I'm excited to be a guest. Yeah. And I actually found out about you actually through my therapist, (laughs) which is kind of funny. (laughs) She was just saying, oh my gosh, there's this author that I love because we were talking about at the time, emotional eating, which is one of the areas that you have a lot of expertise in. And I just was thrilled that we could connect in this way. And I could kind of get to know a little bit more about you and our audience as well. So with that in mind, could you please introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about you and your family, kind of how you serve women. And if you ever have any free time, what you like to do in that free time. Okay. Well, I'm a empty nester. I'm also a retired homeschool mom. I have four adult kids and 
Uh, my husband and I, we lived for 30 years in a small town in Montana, and now we are doing a travel physical therapy lifestyle. So he goes around to different hospitals and work, and every three months we move. So it's a very different lifestyle, but we're enjoying it. And I work as both a podcaster and a writer. And so I have some things to fill my time. In our spare time, we, we love to camp, backpack, hike, and adventure. We also like to read. So it's kind of a fun lifestyle for us. I miss the community because I'm the people person, but uh, it, the adventure is worth it, I think. That is so cool. And I always talk with my husband about when our kids are older, what we might want to do. I'm trying to convince him he's really tall. You know, he's like six, three. And I say, well, why don't we live in a tiny house? <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> think that's a good idea. He's like, I don't think they make tiny houses for tall people. Um, but I love, you probably have to have sort of a minimalist decluttered lifestyle if you're having to move every three months. So you probably could teach us a couple things about, <laughs> maybe we'll have you back and you can teach us about how to uh, have a decluttered home when you're moving all the time, because that sounds like a really interesting change in lifestyle and having to just kind of keep, you know, what matters most to you um, in your home. So that's really interesting. Yeah, it was fascinating because we had a, we probably got rid of half of our belongings and moved the rest into a, a storage unit because we don't have a house right now. And then whenever we go someplace, all we have is one car full of belongings. So it makes life very easy and very simplistic. Ooh, you're I speak like. yeah, you're speaking my language, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love it now you being mom to four kiddos and you kind of come out the other side. So my boys are five and seven. So I have a kindergartner. I'm kind of enjoying this kind of new phase where they're in school for most of the day. But I would love it if you could tell us about a time when you were really overwhelmed in your motherhood, kind of what that looked like for you, whether it be stuff or chores or time management, any of the things and sort of what was the catalyst for you to make a change and what did you do so you could kind of simplify and get on top of things? I know in your podcast, you talk about habits. So any of the wisdom that you would like to share with us overwhelmed mamas would be great. <laughs> okay. Well, I was the person that always was overwhelmed. I mean, even before we started having kids, we had a really messy house. We didn't put things away. I'm a seven on any Instagram scale. My husband's a nine. So we're kind of like fun and relaxed and that sort of people. But every time we had a new kid, our life got more out of control because not only were we not putting our things away, but the kids weren't putting our things away. And the more kids we, we had, the more it got out of control. So I, I didn't ever get everything under control. My kids were home. I've done a lot of growing since then. So, so that's something to be thankful for. But one thing I did get under control when they were at home was the whole keeping the house clean and keeping the chores done. And so I had a system and what I did is I assigned each kid, I divided all the housework into 15 minute segments. And each child had to do a 15 minute job before breakfast. And if they didn't do it before breakfast, they got a little mark on a chart. And that mark in the chart equals a 15 minute job. So that meant whenever I needed an extra 15 minute job, maybe I need some yard work or something, then I could call on one of those kids that had a little mark on their chart. And we did it very cheerfully. There was no ridicule or angry words or anything like that. In fact, we kind of made it a, a fun game. We said, ding, ding. So that way I didn't have to remind the kids 
to do their work. It was just always done before breakfast and it was simple. It's only a 15 minute job. So, so it was simple. So that took care of all the chores. Then I had each of the kids do their own laundry. So they, they could do it whenever they wanted, but they had to do their own laundry. And I realized when they did that, that before they always just threw their clothes in without even thinking about it. But once they were doing their own laundry, they didn't throw them in anymore. And then I also had each of the kids cook one dinner a week. And so that was four dinners. My husband also cooked one. So I only had to cook two. And so the first week or two weeks, the kitchen was a mess. There was flour flying all over the place. It was always messy. It was so much work, but the kids learned to be really great cooks. And so it became a system we'd had in place for years that made life so easy and the kids enjoyed it. They learned new skills. The boys, when they got to college, you know, that was an attractive feature for, mm-hmm. for other women. So made them attractive and it, the system worked great. And we started that when my youngest was four. So when my youngest was four, she was doing her own laundry and she was cooking a meal and she was super proud of herself. She wanted to be like the big kids. I think what she did is she make chicken breasts, pour barbecue sauce over them, scrub and wrap up a baked potato in tin foil and have like canned beans. And that was her meal, but she felt proud. I love all of that. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired right now. <laughs> Because even with my youngest, my youngest is definitely more the creative and wanting to get in the kitchen and, and help. And sometimes help from kids feels like help in air quotes, like they're not really helping. But I love that, that you are able to not only get some of that off of your plate, but it really is about empowering them and being able to prepare them to launch them. Like you said, and I have two boys, I think about that often. I want them to be able to do their own laundry, to be able to cook. And so that really inspires me. I'm sort of dipping my toe as far as like helping more with some, some things in the kitchen, like teaching them how to cut um, vegetables or to do the vegetable peeler and helping fold their clothes. But you just really have inspired me to do even more of that because that's great. I mean, now I wish I had more kids. (laughs) And so they're just (laughs) in It didn't work as well when the kids started going off to college. We kind of kept it up (laughs) until we had one kid. And then like, well, I can't have her do all the work. That wouldn't be fair. (laughs) So I think that's when I kicked in. I might have kicked in it too. I can't remember. But really, the younger they start that, the better. Because when I started Mm -hmm. that system, our oldest was 12. And I, I, I think the younger ones, when they grow up that way, they're not entitled at all. They just expect to work. And we'd actually didn't give allowance either because our philosophy was, Hey, we're all working together as a family and you don't get paid for doing chores around the house when you're old and you don't, when you're young either. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. And I also, when I do our decluttering challenges in our group, we do 15 minutes or less. And I think that's really great. Just having that short time span. And then it's like, easy. And especially since you were doing that before breakfast, it's like, okay, well, so much is done even before the day starts. And I just think that's wonderful. So I'm inspired. I hope all the people listening are inspired as well. And now I feel like I should have just had that be the topic of our our conversation (laughs) today. (laughs) There's one other fun thing we did whenever the house was really messy we put like two songs on the radio. So it's two just fun songs. And then we all raced around picking up the house and it's like our goals get done in two songs. And so 
that was another fun way just to make the house clean and have fun while we were doing it. Yeah. I love that making it fun and having the, and my kids have been randomly wanting to listen to, like they say, rock and roll. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's to some, some Beatles and, you know, things like that, but I think it does make it so much, so much more fun. And that's a great way to alleviate that overwhelm and stress and burden on us as moms. And with that in mind, I do want to shift into, even though I could talk about delegating all day, <laughs> Um, about, you know, coping mechanisms, because the reason that I was introduced to you was about this, you know, um, expertise you have in emotional eating. But even if our listeners aren't dealing with emotional eating necessarily, when we are feeling so overwhelmed and we have that fight or flight uh, mentality, that feeling, we are turning most of us moms to coping mechanisms. And that can look like a lot of things for some of us as picking up the phone, scrolling social media, you know, binging on Netflix, uh, maybe it's drinking for me, it's sugar for sure. And I love how you call this living by desire, sort of that we're being pulled by our desires rather than living by design. And we speak a lot here about intentional living, living in alignment with our values, making room for what matters most. And it would be wonderful if you could talk to us a little bit about shifting from being this living by desire mentality and shifting more to living by design, like what that might look like, especially if we're feeling overwhelmed as moms, we have our jobs, we're taking care of the house, the kids are pulling on our leg and yelling, mommy, mommy, mommy all the time. And how do we actually get out of that reactivity and that overwhelm so that we can start living more intentionally. I can't wait to hear your tips on this. <laughs> oh dear. You're bringing back all those memories. Uh, <laughs> so I guess um, I have two different ways that I think about living by design rather than desire when you're uh, a mom with kids at home. You know, when I was, when my kids were really little, I almost feel like I might've been feeling depressed the kids, you know, it's just so noisy in the house. We lived in kind of a dark house at the time. I'm a person who loves adult conversation. I like to have my mind engaged. And that was back before I had my little chore system. So, you know, that wasn't working well. And so part of living by design rather than desire is to ask yourself, okay, what do I need to change about life? to make my life better. And I never did that in those days. I was a person who let life happen to me. So if I could go back and do those days over again, I would start saying, okay, you know, what are the problem areas here? What are the things that are making me depressed and what do I need to change? And so the, the little chore system and the cooking and all that, that would have been one area. And so that was a way I actually took charge and made life better because I actually was a person who was naturally good at delegating. But, you know, maybe I would have planned some, you know, outings with friends or, you know, just figure out, don't, don't let life just happen to you, but kind of take charge and say, okay, what do I need to do differently? So that's, that's one way to live by design rather than desire. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And sometimes in the busyness of day-to-day -day life that we're just trying to get to the next thing, or I remember when my kids were really young, I was like, okay. I just make it to nap time. If I can make it to nap time, I'll be consider that a win. And 
it's hard to pull back and actually think about, no, wait, what is working? What's not working here? What's the cause of my stress? And I think something that you were talking about earlier is, does this really have to be done by me? Or is it that I think that I'm doing it better? You know, I'm doing it. And, and I feel like, especially in my early motherhood, when the kids were always wanting mommy, 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 I didn't necessarily empower my husband to be able to do some different things. And so I felt, and I feel like a lot of moms feel this way that it's always kind of falling on us. And so that means that we're kind of in this victim mentality and it makes it a lot easier to have things happen to us rather than kind of taking that moment to think about, like you said, you know, what do I need to change? And do you recommend that somebody just sort of do some journaling on that or just kind of have that couple minutes of reflective time? And then, you know, do you figure out like who could help you or what resources you need? Like, how do you think that for you, for chores specifically, when you knew something needed to change and you knew that that was the thing you wanted to focus on? Do you remember kind of how you were able to make that change and take those first steps? Well, I guess I'm a person who has a million ideas, like almost too many ideas. So those little systems and ideas came easily to me, but I think you could also Google them because other people are struggling with the same problem that you're struggling with. So I think it's good to Google and see what other people are doing. But I also too think I, I wish in th- at that time I would have changed my expectations. I feel like so often, whatever stage of life we're in, we focus on the negative in that stage of life and not the positive. And I think that's when I did. So if I could focus on the positive, it's like you have all your kids around. You have, you know, you're not lonely and you have little kids loving you and you have kids to talk to. Whereas as in my stage of life, you know, you're always alone. So it's more lonely. Yes, you have the free time. You can do whatever you want. Your life of sacrifice is over, but each stage has its own little blessings. So maybe see what other people are doing and, and maybe not put things off. So like if discipline is a problem, the kids are always rebelling or yelling or whatever, try and take care of it and figure out what to do now rather than procrastinating. So it's really easy to put off those things. And we all do. Yeah, there's lots of things I would have done differently. So I guess too, give yourself grace. Nobody's perfect. We all have our struggles. Yeah, I love what you're talking about as far as normalizing or kind of setting those expectations and having them be more realistic. And I feel like I think about my grandmother's generation versus my generation and just what she knew about what other moms were doing. <laughs> it probably was her church, right? Or talking to her sisters or whatever. And now I feel like with social media, it's very easy for us to think everyone else is doing it right or everyone else is doing it better because that's very easy for us to see and be influenced by. But I am always reminding myself like, who am I doing this for and what standard of motherhood am I holding myself up against as I'm making these decisions? Um, And I found that a lot of times it was my expectations about what being a mother should be, should in quotes, because of maybe how I was raised and being able to shift that to say, like you said, you know, what is most important to me? What do I need to change? This is changing things, living by design 
based upon what matters most, right, to us, not necessarily how we were raised. So that's really that's really helpful. Now you said that there was one other way that we could live by design. Can you dive into that for us? Yeah. The other way is to not let our coping techniques control us. So I was a person who was not good at making myself do things I didn't want to do. And so when there's something I didn't want to do, or if I was unhappy, I was unhappy a lot in those days, you know, I would eat. Thankfully, I I raised my kids when there was no phone. I think it'd be so hard to raise your kids when you have your phone to escape on. Mm -hmm. And so with that, don't, you know, we're all about a society doing what we want when we want, but often doing what we want when we want, it has negative consequences because we want things that aren't good for us. So I started doing something I call truth journaling. And that was, uh, I explain it more on my website. You can find resources on that if you're interested or in my books, but basically it's, you know, taking a look at what am I thinking? Because it's our, what we're thinking that drives both our desires and our emotions. So if I'm thinking life is terrible, then I'm going to feel depressed and discontent. But the truth is, you know, life, there are some things about life that is hard when you have little kids at home, but there are some things about life that are incredible and wonderful when you have little kids at home. So if I believe the lie that life is terrible, I'm going to be depressed. So I have to carry those thoughts captive to the truth and replace any lies I believe with truth. And that will automatically change my emotions. And it also helped me to um, have self-control with my coping techniques. Yeah, that's incredibly helpful. And it's so interesting when you're talking about truth journaling, that is specifically the phrase that my therapist used with me, which came from uh-huh. you, that that's what she said uh-huh. and super helpful for her. And some of, I'm just pulling up my notes from, you know, what she had talked to me about, and maybe you can speak a little bit um, more to this, but just kind of talking about, you know, what has happened, um, your emotion, Uh, you know, and examining your beliefs and also talking about, you know, what we need to accept in the situation, what results we're hoping for. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that on the right track as far as like what truth journaling might look like for someone? So the truth journaling part is just uh, looking at what you're believing, asking, is this 100% true? And then writing the truth. But some of those other things you talk about, I include in my rally Bible study, Um, So those are also helpful because sometimes the truth isn't pretty, but as an example, um, I struggled with resentment of my husband back in those years because I did kind of take over everything and he didn't do as much as I wanted him to. And so I started resenting him. So what I started doing is, well, I started replace. I started, I was thinking of doing a think positive project. So every time I've had a negative thought, I'd write down my journal, I'd replace it with a positive thought. And it wasn't long before I really realized a lot of those negative thoughts were, were lies. And I started replacing lies with truth. And I called it truth journaling. And I was shocked at how much that little act changed my feelings towards him. I did it every made a commitment to do it every time I was annoyed with him before I went to bed at night. And in two months, I had completely changed the way I I felt. So it wasn't like, oh, he's the greatest thing in the world, (laughs) but I was no longer like really angry at him. And, you know, we've been married over 40 years now and have a good marriage and I really enjoy him. But uh, it was rocky back in those days and truth journaling helped. The Bible calls it the renewing the mind. But after I wrote my first book, Freeing from Emotional Eating, a friend of mine who's a psychologist said, 
Barb, your, your truth journey is like cognitive therapy. So it's also a, a counseling sort of thing, a technique people use in counseling. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I feel like resentment um, is a major issue, especially when we're feeling overwhelmed because it's very easy when we're in that mentality to see what people aren't doing, whether that be our you know, spouses or our kids or just other external parties or forces. And I love that that was so powerful that, like you said, it wasn't immediately like everything's you know, wonderful, but you can at least start saying, okay, this is the truth. And this is the truth that I'm speaking over me and then the situation. And yeah, that is really, really helpful. And I'm going to make sure to link in the show notes to your books and your website and your resources and everything. But I was hoping you could tell the listeners the best place to connect with you if they want to learn more about the truth journaling or any of the things that you spoke about today. Well, you can go to barbraveling.com. That's my website. Or I have the Christian Habits podcast and a Taste for Truth podcast. Those are my two podcasts. I've started doing a little bit on YouTube as well. And uh, But you can find everything you need to know over at my website. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Barb. This was such a helpful conversation. I love talking to moms in all seasons, but especially like yourself that they've successfully launched (laughs) the children into the world and gives us hope. Um, as far as, like you said, giving ourselves grace, trying to enjoy the season that we're in and being able to take some of those really helpful tips that you shared and, uh, help us feel a little bit less overwhelmed in motherhood. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. If you like today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed, in fact, but 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.